Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Week 4 XFL Fantasy Flex, the X-Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Freeman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. In this episode, we are breaking down Week 4 lines, looking at the futures market, touching on our favorite DFS plays, and highlighting our favorite bets with me, as always. Sean Corner and Chris Raymond. Sean is our director of predictive analytics, and Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network. Let's get into it. Week four, we got four good games on the slate. The first one, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, the L.A. Wildcats at the New York Guardians. If you look at FanDuel Sportsbook right now, the Wildcats favored by seven and a half, a 39.5 over under. This opened, I believe, around six and a half, seven. It has been bet up to seven and a half. Sean, what are your thoughts on this game? So first off, I think the most fascinating thing about week four is just going to be the market's reaction to the week three blowout um, of LA over DC. I mean, no one saw that coming. And I think just the way we react to that is key to this week. LA had a plus five turnover margin. They intercepted Cardell Jones four times. So I think in situations like that, we typically do see the market overreact. Uh, I think it's safe to say DC probably isn't a top two team um, anymore, but I do think they just had an off day. I still think they're a very good team. LA is probably not the bottom two team we thought they were heading into week three, but I wouldn't crown them as a top three team quite yet. So with that in mind, uh, I do like the Guardians. We kind of showed value on the Guardians at St. Louis, but uh, when you asked me to you know, make a case why we should bet them, I said there's no reason to bet them because in their shutout uh, against DC, there was just no positive things to take away. They were that bad. Uh, my adjusted score for them was like two and a half points, which is by far the worst game we've seen all year. Uh, but last week, I, I think they did show at least signs of life on offense. They had seven of their 10 drives actually crossed mis- midfield. They In the second half, they had two drives where they went for it on fourth down in St. Louis territory, once on the St. Louis 13 and once on the St. Louis 2. So I think the nine points last week were actually misleading. I think they were a lot better than their score. I've been saying all along that I think they have three – XFL caliber starting QB. So I think that it's time for them to, to start Luis Perez. We could see that this week, and I think they'll bounce back. I have this game, uh, LA minus four. So I will be all over the Guardians plus seven and a half, especially since it sounds like Nelson Spruce is going to be out. I think that's going to be a huge loss for the LA offense. Um, and like I said, I think this is just an overreaction to, to week three's blowout win. You know, no one's taking the Guardians. I feel like I'm on an island over here make case for them but I think the market's overreacting here and for DFS you know I mentioned Nelson Spruce is going to be out Trey McBride is going to be extremely chalky this week 8.1k he's incredibly cheap Um, he put up his massive line last week the five catches 109 receiving yards and two touchdowns in only 42 percent of the passing plays so he played less than half the snaps kind of reminding of uh, Hollywood Browns week one for the Ravens um uh, in the 2019 season. Um, so I think he, he has room to grow there. He's going to play probably around 70, 80% of the passing downs. Um, so I think he's going to be extremely chalky. 
Um, and then uh, one guy that you could pivot based on Spruce being out, I think is Adonis Jennings at 3K. You know, he's min price and he's, he's probably going to run around on about 90% of the snaps. So I think he's a pretty good pivot play if, if you don't want to go uh, with someone as chalky as McBride. I think Adonis Jennings could be uh, a sneaky play this week as well. I think there's theoretical value on the Guardians that said there's a difference between theory and practice. And in practice, I just cannot bet on them. Clearly the, the worst team in the league. And uh, I know that I just want to stay away from them in all facets of, uh, of sports investing, whether it's the spread or uh, DFS. Rayvon, what do you think about this game? Yeah, I'm with you, uh, Friedman. I, I have this game about five and a half in terms of the spread. And that's I'm exactly just, where I have it, by the way. You know, it's not a situation where I'm going to go and back the Wildcats. But, yeah, the Guardians are kind of – I'm going to treat them as off limits for me too because their film doesn't really back you know back it up. I mean, I know it looked a little better with Perez near the end of that game. But at the end of the day, when you look at pro football focuses, their grades are the worst. They're the worst overall graded team, and they're the worst offense and the worst defense. So, you know, the, the Wildcats – they're kind of mediocre in both facets, and um, they, they could be getting better. You know, Freeman, you did talk about how um, they went through some overhaul with their defensive coordinator after week one. I mean, they've been a lot more competitive on defense uh, ever since that, that week one game. So uh, it's just a situation where we have such a small sample that uh, I do get the theoretical value, but I'm just not confident enough to say, okay, let's go back the um <laughs> the Guardians yet, which sucks because – you know, I'm out here in New York, and uh, it would be nice if we had a, a good football team, but uh, it's, it's not looking good. And as far as DFS, I'm with Sean. Trey McBride is the guy that stands out. It's hard to get a sense of how they're going to play it after him at wide receiver. I mean, he only played half the snaps. We have Syed Blacknall, who spent some time in the NFL, maybe coming back. He played over 80% of the snaps in week one. And then you have Jordan Smallwood and Adonis Jennings, who have been um, coming on lately. So a lot of guys vying for snaps, and I think McBride is the clear guy there. As far as the backfield, you know, for L.A., Martez Carter, he scored three touchdowns last week, but he's questionable with an injury. Larry Rose is as well, and Elijah Hood missed that game. So it's a situation where until we get more clarity, it's hard to really get behind too many guys on L.A., even though you you do think they – they would have some success against New York. So this is not a game that I'm really liking too much for DFS just because there's a lot of uncertainty. I think if, if you're playing in a tournament, you probably just um, stack Josh Johnson with maybe McBride and, and, um, and one of the other receivers and, and pray. All right, let's get to this uh, second game here on Saturday. We have the Seattle Dragons at the St. Louis Battlehawks. Battlehawks favored by 12, 12 and a half, depending on the book you are looking at. 38 and a half is the total that I see right now on FanDuel. Uh, this line opened around 40 and has been bet down. Sean, what do you see with this game? Yeah, so I, I have St. Louis uh, minus 10 here. Um, we kind of suspected their home field advantage was going to be huge, and we saw that last week. Um, you know, they just covered a 10.5-point spread just a week ago. So I think people will be more comfortable backing them here. Uh, I, I do think there is some value on sale here, but I'm not going to bet them. I, I think the, the way I'm going to handle this is I'm about the over 38 and a half. I, I mentioned last week I, I thought, you know, St. Louis would win pretty handily against the Guardians. Um, and, you know, I said they'll probably score a touch on the opening drive and the total will go up to 42 and a half and I'll bet the under. And that's exactly what happened. And then they just – they were basically able to just take their foot off the gas and didn't have to do much after that. But I think Seattle will – 
um, hang in there long enough to keep uh, St. Louis offense, you know, clicking. So Seattle's actually won the first half in all three games. So we might be underrating them a bit. Now, certainly they've fallen apart in every second half, so they're not a good team, but they are good enough to at least get off to a decent start and keep it close in the first half, as we've seen. So just with that in mind, I have the total be close, closer to 41 and a half. So yeah, 38 and a half is a little too uh, low for me. This isn't something I'm going to attack in-game. It's going to be something I attack pre-game because I think both teams can actually start off you know, with a touchdown on their opening drive. So this is something I'm going to want to get on early. We've been talking about how betting the under is a smart play, but I think the totals have dropped far enough where I think we can make cases, especially if, if you like an underdog in the situation, to kind of lean towards the over. So that's, that's what I'm going to do here. Um, having said that, I think Keenan Reynolds um, is probably the value play here uh, for Seattle. He's He's 7K. He's run around on 98% of the pass plays this season. So he's going to be on the field for pretty much every pass play. Austin Pearl is going to get all the attention, but he's 1.5K more. And I, I basically have them getting the same underlying usage rates here. So I think, you know, if Seattle's going to be trailing most of the game, they're going to be throwing a lot. I mean, Keenan Reynolds, he's had consistent target shares this year of seven, eight, and seven in the first three weeks. So I think, you know, with constant comeback mode, being on the field every play, he's just, he's just a steal at 7K. So I'll, I'll probably have uh, Keen Reynolds in uh, my core this week. Rayvon, what do you think here? Yeah, I have the line around uh, 11 and a half. So I'm pretty in line with the, with the market. I think if I had to uh, bet it, I'd probably still s- s- go with the Battlehawks. Uh, I think their defense is really strong and it's going to be problematic for Seattle I, I just don't really have much good to say about their offense they they do come out strong as Sean mentioned um and they, they tend to look okay on opening drives but overall I mean Brandon Silver's it's a 53 percent completion rate just 49 of 91 and they tend to run the ball a lot with their three backs uh presumably to kind of keep the game from getting away from them so I just don't really see St. Louis did miss a few more tackles this week but um, they still, you know, really didn't let the Guardians do much. So Seattle's a team I'm probably going to steer clear from outside of, as Sean mentioned, um, Reynolds. And I think Pro will be fine, too, even though he's a little more expensive, because I do think when Seattle throws, those are the two guys. They have – their four tight ends really aren't doing much catching the football. Uh, so, you know, for St. Louis, if Matt Jones is healthy, uh, you know, I'm looking at him. And if not, it's, it's Kristen Michael. In, in DFS and um, you know Demore Pearson now he only ran around on 45% of the dropbacks last week which was down from 84% in week one and 67% in week two so it's tough to project him because he still has target shares of 15 31 and 19% and he's returning uh, punts so I think he's kind of a, a a solid tournament play but just keep him on the floor is a little lower. Sean, to your point about Keenan Reynolds, he's number two in the league with 370 air yards on the season. So uh, even though he's not playing a prolific offense, he is getting his opportunities. And in week two, we did see him turn a a long target into a long touchdown. So he has some upside, but still in general, I'm just uh, Seattle. I'm I'm pretty pessimistic about them. You know, two of the three games they played uh, in Seattle and they have a pretty significant home field advantage. So now playing on the road, in St. Louis where the Battle Hawks have, you know, a home field advantage that is just as good as the one that the Dragons have. Uh, I think it's a negative situation for them. And Rayvon, to your point about uh, Brandon Silvers, he's last in the XFL and uh, in PFF passing grade among starters. So just uh, a negative situation. Battle Hawks have covered three straight games. Mm-hmm. Not to say that you should just bet that trend blindly, but they have the type of offense um, that I think can get a lead and then establish the lead. A defense that is good enough to to keep a poor offense 
from scoring points. So uh, 12 and a half is a big number. I bet it at 12, but uh, I'm fully invested in the Battle Hawks. I think that is going to be my team for this season. All right. On Sunday, Houston Roughnecks favored by one point at the Dallas Renegades. This line immediately jumped off the page to me because just, you know, shooting from the hip, I would have thought Roughnecks, best team in the league, should probably be favored by more than one point. But the Renegades have looked good in the past two weeks. This is a over-under of 50.5, by far the highest total on the slate. Corner, what do you think? Yeah, so this one, I'm right in line with the market. I will not be um, making any pregame bets. Last week, the the only game I didn't make any pregame bets was that DC-LA game. Thank God. I didn't have a good handle on it. This one, I just think it's it's capped perfectly. Uh, This is the game of the week. Uh, I think we're going to see a ton of points. For DFS purposes, I love Dallas here. We've seen teams that play Houston just rack up uh, play counts. We had LA. They ran 73 plays, St. Louis 83 Tampa Bay 76, you know, that's why I have Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar as my one-two uh, running backs this week. You know, it's it's mostly due to how many targets they see in the passing game. You know, Artis Payne, he's the lead back, and he still sees, you know, he saw four targets, five targets, and six. But Dunbar, I mean, he saw six targets week one, six targets week two, and then 11 last week. So I just think if we're going to see increased play volume, I can't expect that to go down too much. And I think the reason for that is, you know, we talked about it the other week when um, Landry Jones was trying to scramble. I mean, his knee is not 100%. So I think he does use them as a safety valve. And I think that goes to show, like, Dallas, they've been, you know, a slow start team with them. That's why I waited for Seattle to take the lead last week. And then I came in on them um, when they were a pick In order to beat Houston, they're going to have to shake the rust off right away. So this is a situation where I think Dallas might surprise people. I've been saying that I think they're going to get better and better. They could end up being a top two team in the league. So that's why I'm saying I think this should be a pick em. Um, is because Dallas, we have to remember that Landry Jones, he missed the whole month leading up to the start of the season. So he was going to have some rust. He, he's looked rusty the past couple weeks with some pretty brutal turnovers, but I think he's going to be there and he's going to be pretty much at full strength here. So I think, you know, this is going to be a shootout for sure. Yeah, I've bet the over. This is the one game where I, I feel pretty decent about the over, even though it is the highest total on the slate. The uh, the Roughnecks have, have shown uh, in the first three weeks that they are really an offense that is capable on their own uh, of driving a total to the over. Uh, they pass more than anyone else in the league or, or just as much as anyone else in the league. Uh, and even when they get ahead, uh, they still pass. They have the four wide receiver set spreading the, the defense out. And these defenses, most of them don't have two good cornerbacks. And the idea of having to put four of them out there, uh, it really just emphasizes the extent to which uh, the Roughnecks have an edge offensively and, and can score points. So I'm, I'm on the over here. Rayvon, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I have it Houston by a half point, so pretty in line with the market too. I think it's around, as Sean said, pretty much a coin flip game. I like the call of the Dallas offense. I think I think Donald Parham, even though he's expensive, he's 9.9K. He's a guy that when Dallas needs to throw, um, they look to him. His target here is 14%, 28%, uh, and 17%. He runs uh, about 70% overall of the, of the routes, but he's out there to catch the football. And so I, I like him in what could potentially be a shootout. And yeah, I think Dunbar, this, is a, this, this seems like a Dunbar game. I have Dunbar ranked number two in pain ranked number one as well, but I wouldn't be surprised in this game if Dunbar actually leads Dallas in, in, in production because they seem to look at him just a, a little bit more in the passing game. He had a target share of uh, 27% last week. He's been at 14% plus all three weeks. So 
Um, if this turns into a back and forth game, I'm going, I'm going with him as kind of a, a pivot off Cam Art's pain. And uh, I think for Houston, I have Cam Phillips ranked as my number one receiver, but I also have Khalil Lewis uh, ranked number three. So uh, this is a team that, uh, unfortunately, Sammy Coates really hasn't been able to to produce, and his routes run uh, per dropback have gone down every week from 73 to 65 to 54. And uh, Nick uh, Cam Phillips, Khalil Lewis played 95% of the routes last week, and Nick Howie played 100%. So looks like Houston is rolling with those three guys. You know, Philip Walker leading the league in passing yards. So uh, this is a good DFS stat game. Um, and probably uh, the, the, the teams that you want to pay up for and then try to find value with, uh, with some of the other teams on the slate. A hundred percent with you there on Kilo Lewis. He's uh, my number three as well. I would rather have, uh, I think actually uh, Lance Dunbar at 6,700 than Cameron Artis Payne at 8,000. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some good value there. And then you mentioned Sammy Coates, man, it's, it's painful. Um, <laughs> but he actually still had 121 air yards last week. He's still being targeted deep. It's just, you know, can he actually convert those into yards uh, yet to be seen? Let's get to the final game on the slate. The D.C. defenders who just got whooped, Sean, as you mentioned, last week. Uh, and so that has really, I think, changed the way that people are viewing them. Uh, they are at the Vipers, who also did well last week in terms of they were struggling in weeks one and two with the yardage, and then finally they converted yardage into points uh, in week three. So the defenders at Tampa Bay Vipers – the defenders opened as a one-point underdog, which uh, was just egregious. That has been bet to uh, two and a half, crossed over zero. So the defenders are now two and a half point favorites on the road. A forty-four point five over under. Sean, what do you think of this game here? Yeah, I mean, like you alluded to, when when I saw the opening line, I thought it was a typo. And I've been a Tampa Bay Vipers backer. Um, I, I ended up biting on them at plus seven and a half last week. Barely won by the hook. But I've been saying, you know, their offense has been moving the ball. They just haven't been scoring. So I, I looked at this game thinking I might be able to get them at plus seven or something. And then DC got blown out. And then when I saw DC getting plus one, I just thought it, it's almost one of those lines where you think it's too good to be true. Like, what am I missing here? Uh, but yeah, sure enough, I, I think this is one of those games where the Sharps and the public are probably on the same side. So I could see this ending up, you know, pushing to DC minus three and a half or so. That's where I had it. So yeah, I, I got in on them when they were minus one. I, I'll probably back them again. I, I think at two and a half, you still have some value there. I think once they get to three and a half, I'll back off because like I said, we're still not sure, you know, where to rank them now after last week. Um, I mean, that was brutal. So it's going to be hard to back them here. Um, uh, Tampa Bay is going to be starting Aaron Murray, it sounds like. So once they get their QB situation a bit more stable, I think they're going to surprise some people, but it's a little too soon to be backing them here. Um, So yeah, minus two and a half is still a play for me on DC. Um, And then when it comes to DFS, I think it's a good time to reinvest in DeAndre Tompkins. He's 52-100 again this week. I think that's where he was last week. Um, and he was about 60% owned in GPP, so massive chalk. Uh, he had a dud, uh, one catch for 18 yards, but the entire D.C. offense put up a dud. So I think if they bounce back here, he's going to be a steal at that price. And I think he'll be lower owned. I could see him be, uh, being in like the 25 to 30% range, which is way too low for him. Um, he's going to be on the field most of the plays and you know I think they'll rebound this week and we'll see the DC offense we saw in the first two weeks so I think Tompkins is a good bounce back play this week in DFS 
Right. Uh, shout out, by the way, to uh, Tony Marquise, who does the air yards data for us at Action Network. He was looking at the air yards specifically for the DC defenders uh, in week three, and he noted that um, Cardell Jones, out of all the air yards he threw, 99 of them went out of bounds, 71 landed more than five yards away from a receiver, and 76 were intercepted. It was just an all-around horrendous performance uh, that we saw last week. But I still have the defenders, just in terms of power rankings, uh, a half point ahead of uh, the Renegades, and you know that might flip, but still overall optimistic on this defenders team and waiting to see on Aaron Murray. You know The word is that he probably will play, but I haven't projected him yet until he actually returns to practice. Ray Bond, what are your thoughts on this game here? Yeah, I have it DC by three and a half. So I'm kind of in line with you guys. I think the the number opened very curiously. You know, I think DC is the better team. I'm a little bit wary only because, you know, the home field advantage has come into play a lot. So Tampa Bay looked better last week. And if they can get Murray back and kind of mix in Flowers, you know, as kind of that gadget guy, I think their offense will be better. So I think this probably is could be a, a toss-up game. I think I'm actually leaning toward the, the total and betting the over more so than, than even uh, D.C. Uh, they're the right play, but I think that they, you, you could see some more offense than um, you've seen out of Tampa in the first two games, more so like the, the last game. And D.C., their defense proved not to be quite as strong as we thought it was. The Guardians, now we see, are just really bad on offense. And, uh, you know, under 10 points two weeks in a row. So I don't think that uh, – I think Tampa Bay kind of turning it around. Uh, I think it could be another game similar to what we saw with them against Houston last week. So um, I like I like the values on the Tampa Bay side. Jalen Tolliver, uh, he ran 100% of the routes. Uh, so did Daniel Williams last week. And Reese Horn ran 96%. Uh, they also could get Nick Truesdale back. So uh, I like – Quentin Flowers and uh, and Aaron Murray, I think that you might see some surprising uh, offense out of them as they kind of get it together. And Raybon, to your point about uh, the over potentially having some value here, Tampa Bay, I think, uh, is pretty clearly the, the worst defense in the league. If not the worst, you know, one of the, the two or three worst uh, for the season, they are last in the league with just one interception and three sacks. So uh, teams have really been able to, to move the ball against them. And then, you know, on, on the flip side, uh, they have shown the ability to move the ball, even though they don't always score points on it. But, uh, you know, the ability to move, to accumulate yards, in the end, that tends to result in points. All right, let's talk about the futures market right now. If you look at FanDuel, you see the Roughnecks at 2-1, to one, the DC Defenders plus 350, the Battlehawks plus 450. We uh, were all three on them last week at 10-1, to one, so great value there. The Renegades plus 550, the Wildcats 10-1, to one, Guardians 12-1. to one, Dragons 18 to 1, Vipers 20 to 1. Sean, anything there catch your eye? Yeah, I would say Wildcats at 10 to 1 just because of the uncertainty. Like in these types of markets, uncertainty is your friend. So we don't really know how good they are quite yet. So uh, Raybound's mentioned anytime you can get a team over 8 to 1 um, that you like, uh, it does make sense. Um, having said that, I feel like we've invested enough in the futures market. I wouldn't attack many more teams but yeah st louis last week at 10 to 1 was pretty obvious oh nibble on la at 10 to 1 this week and again i think dallas at five and a half to one um you know i I do think they will eventually be probably one of the top two top three teams in the league so getting them at this price there's a little bit of value but i think i think the futures market looks pretty good right now 
Sean, I hear you there with the Wildcats. I think there's still a little bit of value potentially on the Battle Hawks at plus 450, but I, I wouldn't invest uh, much more there. And uh, I do hear you about the, the Renegades. They were uh, the team favored uh, entering the season. So uh, some value there. Raymond, what do you think? I like the Wildcats as well. I think the, the time, as we talked about, to invest in the Battlehawks was last week. Now they're, they played a, a weak opponent last week. They're playing another weak opponent this week. So that's kind of sailed. But the Wildcats at 10 to 1, I mean, listen, they start off the season, they get blown out by 20, but it's against the Roughnecks, who look like now the best team in the league. And uh, if you're looking for value, as Sean said, you know, get the odds where it's more than the amount of teams in the league. And I think that's the only one that really stands out to me is the Wildcats. Uh, if you also remember in week one, they were one of their teams missing their starting quarterback. So, you know, since Josh Johnson has come in and since they've made those changes on defense, you know, firing the de- defensive coordinator or whatnot, they've been very competitive on defense and they played a really good Dallas team that they, they barely lost to. So it could just be kind of a matter of, you know, missing a quarterback in week one strength of schedule issue uh, and then they had a convincing win against what we thought was a good team last week. So LA is the the only team I think I would invest in and 10 to one is a great price. Yeah. And Ray Bond, to your point about Josh Johnson, uh, he lead, he leads the league with 7.8 yards per attempt, has a uh, position best 76.9 PFF passing grade. So reasons to be enthusiastic about that team. All right. Favorite bets for the week, uh, excluding anything in the futures market. Sean, your favorite bet. I'm probably on an island here, but I, uh, you know, I think uh, the Guardians plus seven and a half. Uh, I just think there's too much value there. I, I can make a case for them, and you know, LA. Uh, like I said, I think they have the upside to be one of the better teams in the league. But you know, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries on offense. Like I mentioned, Nelson Spruce is already ruled out. Uh, they played back-to-back games at home, and now they have to fly east. So that that could come into play here. I just think it's it's a trap game, especially after week three, you know, the plus five turnover margin. I think it's just the market overreacting. And New York, like I said, week two, the real, I wasn't able to come up with any positive thing to say, but last week there were some underlying things of the offense moving the ball. I think they will be able to put up points here and at least keep it close enough to cover the plus and a half point spread at home. Ray Bond, what about you? Roughnecks, Renegades, over 50 and a half. I mean, these, these are two of the better offenses in the league. And uh, I, I think that the Roughnecks are going to make the opponent score points. And I think Dallas can do it. Even if they play a little sloppy, we've seen them still put up some big numbers. Landry Jones can get the ball down the field. That's one, that's one positive about him. So like the over in that game. I like that one as well. Uh, this is still retroactive, but I still like the DC defenders. Obviously it's not as good as when they were one point underdogs, but I would still bet them at minus two and a half on the road against the Vipers. I think it's a good bounce back spot for them. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.